Hi, I'm Monica Bielskita, and you're listening to Transit Lounge Radio at Login 2018. Hi, Monica. It's such a pleasure to have you here. I'm really so excited by the way that you talk about the future and the way that we can imagine our futures differently. And I want to know, how do you become like a future forecaster? That's such a wild job to have. Yeah, so I say I my my LinkedIn tagline says I design futures for a living <laughs> so I actually do that for a living um, I get labeled as a futurist a lot because that's an easier to comprehend sort of description for a lot of people now for me being a futurist is just a tiny part of what I do I start with predicting kind of looking well I start with the research actually really going out there on all the continents, in in multiple places, engaging with people coming across the disciplines, generations, cultures, etc., etc. So I research the future first. Then I try to predict what are the possible future avenues. And most of the time, I am a little concerned <laughs> with where things are going. And then I am trying to see how we could shape for things to go let's say, in a more inspired and a more inspiring direction. For me, that really starts where future happens. Future happens in our heads to start with. Ideas have impact and it's so much about how we think about the future, how we think of ourselves in the future and of the future. The biggest challenge that I see when it comes to future is to make people feel that they own it. It's not something that happened somewhere else, we are making it happen today, right here, right now. Future is now, now is the future, right? So with every action, every single thing that we do, as well as things that we don't do, our apathy, our inaction shapes where the future is going. There's so much there. I want to leap off on like 10 different tangents because I think something really interesting that you said, you, you, you talk about is that if you control the narrative, you control the future and that also the stories we tell feed back into our reality and so that it's really important to be I guess more open to like diversity to spirituality and ritual being included to a different mapping of how we imagine our future because yeah we're in it right now like we are already the future. Yeah so one I guess these catchphrases that <laughs> that I keep repeating hopefully you know without becoming banal about it is that Media is the modern-day mythology. It builds the foundation of our civilization, forms our values, and even policies for generations to come. So certain visions of the future have been very exclusionary. And as my friend Lori Penny says, futures are not only shaped by the stories that we tell, but also the ones that we don't. And so there is a danger in getting accustomed to a certain vision of what the future can or cannot be, or who plays part in the future or who doesn't, and what are those parts that we play. So for me, it's really about challenging these status quos by bringing in the stories and inspirations of people, the very real people that are making future happen today and seeing how they could become more the superheroes of tomorrow than these sort of heroes that we have today that unfortunately have not brought us towards anything that is that brought us to become this destructive force rather than a sustainable civilization or even less so something we should aim to be, which is regenerative intelligence. 
So for me, narratives are crucial and the power of fiction is equally inspiring as it is terrifying and we have to recognize that we have to really look i mean the opening talk that i did here in vilnius with toby shapshak who's a top expert of innovation in africa and a dear friend of mine he was definitely one of the key people that started introducing me to what's happening in terms of future innovation on the great continent that was very very important for me because so much of what is aspirational here in Lithuania is, again, continuous looking up in the West rather than looking in the East, rather than looking in the South, right? And for me, it's so important to challenge this here to school because I remember how when I was studying here, history books as well as even geography has very much excluded a whole lot of this world. A whole lot of this world that then, through my empirical knowledge, by actually going there, becoming friends, becoming very close with some of the most amazing people that are changing how not just things are done, but how things are being thought. This whole new reality opened up to me, but that is not what my education exposed me to. And that is clearly, and sometimes my education exposed me to the very opposite of that. Some of us purposely choose ignorance, but for many of us, we are conditioned to ignorance. We are conditioned to bias. And we were con it's not just the fake news that is the problem, right? Fake news is a, na it's, it's a new phenomenon, but fake news was how history books were written. I mean, just think how Britain changed the history of India. Even the parts of Indian history where... Britain was not involved in because it served some specific agenda. So history is always written by the winners. It's natural. And so we sometimes need to go back into the history and understand why, you know, how our perception can become a prison. And I, I mean, for me, this is not a self-help thing. I'm not trying to be moralizing about that. I'm just like, the reason why I always advocate to have more different people at the table is because it will make the conversation, not because we need, we need to be so nice and good and pleasant to give other poor people a seat at a table. Not at all. I mean, that is important as well. But really, our conversation, our table will be impoverished if those voices will not be part of it, right? You put that so well, because I think it's not like, you know, diversity and inclusiveness can also become catchwords that don't necessarily mean much. But when you talk about how there isn't this singular superhero narrative, but the future is something we have to co-create together and we have to share in, and that makes it so much richer. Because, you know, if you're coming from this one perspective with your inherent biases and things that you just are not aware of, things you don't know that you don't know, you sometimes you have to be exposed to those through different people, different cultures, different experiences, to understand that the place you were standing in was really quite small and dark. Absolutely. So I think we constantly confuse diversity and inclusion with tokenism, right? Oh, let's just check these things off the mark, right? But it's not that. Diversity and inclusion is not that. It's really being welcoming and really seeking out the right person. Not just, don't pick me because... I am female, non-typically Western, non-typically, you know, cishet or whatever. Pick me because of who I am and what I do. Now, again, discrimination has been structural. So a lot of people that do not fit that main category of what is being exposed today do not have the same visibility. 
So you, as a producer, as a curator, as a conference organizer, as a news host, need to do more work to actually reach out and find the right voices that will make that conversation more enriching to everybody involved. So, and again, it's not just gender diversity, it's not just cultural diversity, it's also diversity of abilities, of disciplines, of generations. We need to come together at the table. I, you know... I never really like this all-female panels. For me, it's just, just put more women in your conference. Put more women on your news podcast, right? So it is really, really about that. And again, in my personal experience, it was not something that I did because that is a nice thing to do. Because the more I did of that, the more I realized how much more I learned and how much more of my past ignorance I could map out And again, this is not just social and cultural. It is also very much technological. The kind of work that I've done with Reliance Geo, India's largest company and their newest, biggest, fastest growing telecom has enriched me immensely in my own sort of technological thought. Uh, the kind of work I've been doing with Telefonica, which is a Spanish company, but their biggest market share is in Latin America, has been super, super important. All the conversations I had with African content creators, media people, again, opened me into completely new ways of what media could actually be in the future, and especially how we could shift from entertainment towards edutainment. And most recent project that I did that I am so excited and proud of and, and just you know want to brag about is a collaboration with Mexico City. I actually did work with the government. My friend, uh, Gabriela Gomez Mont, who I consider to be one of the most brilliant women today overall, but definitely among, you could say, top three brightest people thinking about the future of cities. She almost single-handedly in, in her discipline changed that conversation from future cities just being about smart cities as productive, efficient, connected to really what future cities are about and how future cities aren't just physical buildings and infrastructure, but it's a sum and not just a sum, but multiplication of those interactions and people that live in there and how the right to the city does not just include the right to these basic needs, to electricity and shelter, but also the right to play, the right to imagine, the right to co-create the city. And now we're talking about Mexico City. It's a city of extreme disparity, 22 million people. And yet, instead of being, oh my God, this is so challenging, how are we going to solve this? It's a city very prone to natural disasters. I mean, as we all, I mean, as anybody educated knows, and yet some of the most inspiring thinking about future of cities is being done there, is being done at Laboratorio para la Ciudad which is a government organization led by some of the brightest people around in that space and on the model of which so many of the other city labs, including the cities in the Western world, have been modeled, right? It's so important for me to go out of my comfort zone. Whenever I feel that I'm becoming too comfortable in a certain space, I need to step out. I need to go and see how I can make myself the stupidest person in the room It doesn't come natural. That's what's important to understand. It is a conscious effort. If you have a Twitter account, there's this big scandal, right, on you know how many women Elon Musk was following, and it was basically close to none. And I don't know if that has changed since. Hopefully it did. I mean, he's got great advisors that should help him out on that, though 
you know, sometimes he seems to take a lot of agency of his own, which unfortunately also in some way can harm the perception of some of the awesome projects that he does. But for me, it's like, okay, who are you following? Are you just following people in your immediate circle or you actually go again outside what is your immediate field of knowledge and you will follow black activists native people who are fighting against the climate change are you going to follow people that are differently abled are you going to follow queer voices are you going to follow people again from you know if you are an artist will you follow people that are futurists and engineers and and so on and so forth so can we actually find whoever are the most interesting people across the board and become aware of what they're doing and then not just and, and that would help us to open our imagination, but it's not enough. We need to convert that into active, into real deep, challenging conversations that become active collaborations. And for the goal, again, of not just making more stuff, but for the goal of transformation, the goal of paradigm shift, and, and really a goal of what that future, what is that future that we want to be? What is that future that we want to inhabit? What are the memories of the future that you want to have? What is the future that you dream? And what is the future that we can dream together? And then can we dream that future? Can we imagine what these things could be? And then very strategically work back, walk, work <laughs> and walk backwards into the present moment, into what we're doing today, into these choices. And even if we don't have any definite answers, we just have visions but yet these choices, we are making them today. And if we have a vision, we will be better informed about these choices. And so, for example, with Mexico City, when we did this project imagining Mexico City 2030, it was not just about that vision of 2030. It was so we could think, okay, what happened in 2029? What happened in 2028? What happened in 2027? All the way to what we're doing right now here in 2018 and why that is important, or why some of the things that we're doing maybe are not important, and we need to reshift our focus into something else. Wow, <laughs> there's so much there. I mean, I think, yeah, the actively seeking out things beyond what you already know and actively hearing those voices is, like, really the key. Our time is almost up. I'm so sad I could talk to you all day. And I guess my last question is, what is the vision of the future that you have, and, and how do we get there? Oh, my God. Um, what I want to work towards is the future that is post-gender, post-race, and post-nation state. Now, to a lot of people, when they hear that, it's like, whoa, like, you are revolutionary, you are scary, you are a radical. But, I mean, am I revolutionary? Maybe I am. Am I scary? Maybe to some people, because I challenge existing power structures. But, I think I try to do that very consciously, very mindfully, and with a lot of tenderness and beauty. Why future that is post-gender, post-race, post-nation state? Is because we, in order <laughs> to just survive as human species, we need to come beyond these binaries. And we need to remind ourselves that we are emotional, creative animals. We need to see how we can live in a spectrum, how we would not be defined. There is no future if we continue being defined just but by what we are born into rather than what we choose. And I don't mean, you know, there should be no men or women. There should be no more cultural differences. 
What I'm talking about is that we should be able to choose more of who we want to be and exist more within that spectrum of possibility that is also not a fixed spectrum. If I just choose to be feminine or masculine in a certain way or none of these, it doesn't mean that the choice that I'm making today has to be the same tomorrow morning or the year after. It means that I can actually exist in a flow. Similarly, culturally, I am here in Lithuania in my native country. Yes, my passport is Lithuanian. Am I just Lithuanian? I am not. I am so many of all these other cultures and people that have been hugely formative in my life. Japan, India, Iceland, America, Mexico, the whole of African continent, to name just a few. You know, all these things and all, the, all, all, all those cultures have bled into me, and I'm part of them, yet I am also none of them, right? And so for me, it's so important to really think of future that is not, the, now the new popular tagline, future is female. Now, I really don't think that. For me, the future is a spectrum. The future is that open space where we're not being defined and put into boxes, but exist in the interaction. What I believe is the upcoming age of technological employment and us being made obsolete as we know by AI and robots is really... It's not about how can we become more and more competitive. It's actually how can we become more and more collaborative and how can we open these new spaces for us to belong and coexist and co-create. And again, for me, technological innovation is so, 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 so important. It is the most powerful tool shaping the world today. But technological innovation without humanitarian evolution always equals dystopian future. So can we think of innovation that is social, cultural, political, creative, scientific, technological, all at the same time, all in parallel, all not as competing but supporting each other and dancing together marvelously? That is a future I really want to live in and be part of. Thank you so, so much for talking with me today. It was truly a pleasure. The pleasure was mine. Thank you so much.